Previously on Hound Radio's Arch Campbell podcast. I'm really glad to see that AMC is playing something uh, other than the Rocky movies. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They're your Rocky station. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they really have been going overboard on the Rocky, which which has been kind of my comfort food uh, this summer. The Arch Campbell podcast featuring Arch, Lou Katz, and a cast of thousands begins now. Well, uh, you've just heard our friend Oliver Jones in L.A., where he writes for People and Observer.com. And uh, as you know, he's Davy Marlon Jones's son, and I love having him uh, on this show. And uh, that's his uh, thought for the day. Uh, and speaking of thoughts for the day, uh, hi, everybody. I'm Arch Campbell. This is the podcast that hopes to help you wade through the ever-changing world of entertainment, the classic radio voice, Lou Cat, is producing in the control room. Yes, and directing and making How sure are we do and making sure the air conditioning is running. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. And uh, two guests today, two of the smartest people I know. First, from RogerEdward.com, one of the founders of the Washington Area Film Critics Association, the inestimable. Nell Minow. Hey, Nell. Hi, Arch. Hi, Lou. Great to be on. <laughs> Great. And uh, from Vulture and New York Magazine, the critic and entertainment reporter, Rocky Haddadi. Yay, Rocky's back. Yes. Hello. Hey, Glad guys. Glad to have you I'm back. I'm so excited to be here with Nell, who was like the one of the very first people in this business who was like, hey, who are you? <laughs> and Nell has always is been very supportive and that. kind. Nell is great at that. Yes. So I'm glad you two are here and together. And so, Rocky, let's start with you. Uh, What are you watching these days? What do you like? I am really liking The Bear. I don't know if we already talked about this. Uh, It is a dramedy on FX on Hulu, which really just means it's on Hulu. 25 pounds? No, 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 I ordered 200. Don't wipe your hands on your ape, Chef. Jeff. I refer to everybody as chef because it's a sign of respect. Uh, And all eight episodes dropped at once. It stars Jeremy Allen White as a fine dining chef who comes back to Chicago to take over his family's sandwich shop. Uh, And it is, I think that the first two episodes are sort of stressful because it's a lot of people at a restaurant yelling at each (laughs) other. Um, But then it sort of evens out into an exploration of grief and addiction and sort of how to temper your ambition to make sure that you have a life connecting with your family and your friends as well as just work. Uh, so I've really liked that. Um, and I have also liked Blackbird on Apple TV+. It is one of Ray Liotta's last roles. And it's sort of a wild true crime story about a convicted drug dealer who the federal government, uh, they offer him a deal if he goes into a prison and he convinces a serial killer to confess where the bodies are buried, they'll commute his sentence. Um, yeah, it's very crazy. It stars Taron Egerton and Paul Walter Hauser and Ray Liotta in one of his final roles. I never wanted this for you. I wanted a totally different life. A steady paycheck. Kids. A family. And I've been really liking that as well. I mean, it's from Dennis. Is that a series or a movie? It's a mini series from Dennis mm-hmm. Lehane, uh, who is like, you know, noted crime novelist. Right. Um, and it's six episodes, which I think is manageable. 
So I've been recommending that as well. Is six the new nine? I think, 13. I think I think I think 10 is the new 13 and uh, six is the new eight. <laughs> Speaking of that, Nell, I see you nodding at Rocky's thoughts. Uh, what are you liking these days? Well, first, I just want to say, as somebody who grew up in Chicago, I really want to call out Bear for being a very authentic portrayal of Chicago and getting away from just the usual, you know, Wrigley building in Lake Michigan and really giving the feeling of the city. So I thought, I thought they did that very, very well. Uh, I want to mention a movie that is outside of most people's scope, uh, but I absolutely loved it. One of my favorite films of the year so far is a terrific film called Skies of Lebanon. Um, and it's difficult to describe because it is a story about what happens in the lives of ordinary good people when political chaos has led to terrible things going on around them. And, um, and I just thought it was done with such innovative cinematic storytelling, very, very beautifully told. And I just can't recommend it highly enough. So that's Skies of Lebanon. I'm really enjoying Only Murders in the Building season two. Um, <laughs> yes. What is it about that? I mean, they're, they're basically replicating season one again. Well, they're kind but... of taking in a new direction. They certainly have some new characters that I like uh, very much, especially Lucy. Uh, we heard in the first uh, season that, that Steve Martin was missing the little girl whose mother he used to date and she is now a big girl and she's come back into the story so i like that a lot and so I, i'm a little surprised by how well they've managed to expand it now you know my daughter is a costume designer in hollywood so i do have to mention she did work <laughs> on one episode uh, uh, her good. specialty her specialty as a costume designer is an era that she refers to as mid-century and I refer to still as now because it's still my lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, let me so run back here about Skies of <laughs> Lebanon. Is that a theatrical yes. only, or is it uh, streaming, or will yes. it be streaming? Yes, but it'll be it'll be streaming momentarily. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, so Rachel was called in. If you've been watching Only Murders, there was a flashback to a brief one to Steve Martin's character's childhood. And she worked on that. So that's, you know, mm. again, her sort of wheelhouse is the 50s, 60s and 70s. Um, I'm enjoying Myra, uh, Meyer Rudolph in Loot, which is, I just saw getting a second season. I think that's been a lot of fun. Hello? Molly Novak, I'm the executive director of your foundation. Wait, what? I was wondering if you wouldn't mind coming into the office tomorrow. I have an office? Her co-star Nat Faxon is a favorite of mine, Oscar winner for screenwriting, but I think a terrific actor as well. Trans actress MJ Rodriguez is just wonderful in it. And suddenly everywhere, Joel Kim Booster. You cannot turn on <laughs> the television without saying Joel Kim Booster, which is fine with me. I really like him. And then Sea Beast on Netflix has absolutely gorgeous animation and a really nice story. So I think that that's those are the things that I've been enjoying lately. Now, where is Loot? <laughs> it's an Loot interesting is on Apple TV. Oh, Apple TV Plus, I'm pretty sure. Yes, yeah. it's Apple TV Plus. I mean, Apple TV Plus right now does have a lot of the strongest, like, episodic storytelling. It also has For All Mankind, which I love very much, yes. and is like an alternate, like, astronaut history. And if you want, like, a Lebanese film double header, 
You could watch Skies of Lebanon, and you could also watch Costa Brava Lebanon, which is in theaters, and it is also sort of like a politically minded film about like the government and sort of the corruption that is running through the federal system over there. But it's a family drama about family who is living in the mountains outside Beirut, and the government decides to sort of illegally open a dump right outside their like beautiful idyllic home. Uh, so yeah, if you really wanted to get political with it, you could probably wow. do those. I was not expecting a Lebanon double feature in our today, but I'm I'm Muno, but I I'm delighted, and that sounds great. Yeah. So we've kind of gotten into movies, and I want to ask both of you to uh, sort of riff on uh, where are the movies these days, because I I'm kind of sensing a uh, a bit of hope that uh, that we're getting maybe not exactly back to normal, but we're having uh, kind of a of a feels like normal summer season. Hmm. Yeah, well, it does in that we've got some big summer blockbusters mm -hmm. that are that are sequels, you know, so you're, right. I, I'm still predicting that Top Gun Maverick will be probably number one box office for the year, but right. those have had. Jurassic Park, which in my opinion, DeWanda Wise, uh, as the Han Solo of that movie was, you know, is the reason to see it. Um, and uh, who knew Minions was going to be so right, strong. Yeah. So, so we're doing very, very well with kind of the typical summer blockbusters. Familiar. People seem to be willing to, to buy tickets and go to the theater. So, yeah. I'm then, hearing about Top Gun from people I don't expect to bring up movies. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's kind of got that wide, everybody's talking about it appeal, which is uh, something I didn't know if we'd get in the movies again, Rocky. Well, comparatively, we also have Elvis, which has mm -hmm. gone over 100 million domestic, mm -hmm. which is sort of shocking. I don't know. I mean, I think all of us sort of thought that it was a gamble. <laughs> Beth Lerman <laughs> doing this is a little bit of a risk. But I think that also sort of speaks to like people want spectacle right now, right? And like Top Gun is a spectacle, Elvis is a spectacle, I guess Minions is a spectacle. And we're sort of seeing a little bit, not like a, I don't want to say a true downbeat for Marvel, but it sort of feels like Doctor Strange and Thor, although they've made like hundreds of millions of dollars, haven't had the same like lasting conversation of like Top Gun or Elvis. Or potentially of nope or where the crawdads thing so it's an interesting summer in that we are still getting some big sequels that make big money but don't seem to have lasting relevance necessarily so you brought up nope which yeah uh, well i want to hear probably... what Nell, what did you think were, yes, you, gonna, no. were you gonna reject me I tell talked, me I, yeah i talked to <laughs> i talked to several people last night after, after it and every single person said the exact same thing which is I need to think about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I'm still thinking about it. Um, but here's my, my current feeling about it is liked it a lot. It didn't have the kind of cultural resonance and commentary uh, that I've come to hope for from Jordan Peele mm -hmm. uh, that we saw with um, Get, Get Out, Out and yeah. Us. Uh, but you want to talk about a spectacle. He shot it on IMAX. It looks gorgeous. Uh, they use every bit of that of that screen in terms of pure cinematic storytelling, very powerful and fabulous performances by everybody. I'm a big Kiki Palmer fan. She's fantastic. 
um, Michael Wincott, always great. Uh, Daniel Kalua is a really unusual actor. I, I like him a lot. And so mm -hmm. I liked it very much. It, it's just a good, strong, scary movie, but it didn't have kind of that extra oomph to it that I was hoping for. You know, one of the things about this summer that kind of resonates with me is uh, just thinking about the last many, many, many summers there's there's the big sequels there's the uh there's the top guns and the jurassic parks and then you get to the middle of the summer and then you have uh, a, a scary movie and so you know we're kind of following that pattern and uh and no fits i wonder if he can uh overcome get out because get out was uh was such a uh, milestone thoughts i, I mean i think Get Out is just his masterpiece. I, I mean, I think mm. he's gotten like bigger and a little bit messier narratively since then. Like mm. Us was very sprawling and very ambitious, but I sort of don't love how that one holds together. I think maybe I differ from Nell a little bit in that I think that Nope is telling a story about like how we perceive ourselves and sort of like filmmaking right now and the need for constant recording and like what does that say about what we forget uh as a society but i also think that like nope gets very very big and then all of a sudden this third act sort of shrinks down into something a little bit more explicit than i expected but i you know i just think that he that jordan peele is like very fascinating and get out had such an impact in terms of the bad imitators that it inspired <laughs> <laughs> that it's been really interesting to me that like nobody has tried to copy us and I don't think anybody could copy Nope. So it's just, it's fascinating that like his arguably best movie has created so many replicants that don't ever live up to it. Whereas he has gone in like a different direction in terms of horror. Just sort of interesting. He's just an interesting person. He is a fascinating person. Can I just say he went to my college? That kind of makes us related that oh and, no absolutely uh, very entwined yes. one degree yeah. yes uh so yes yeah. so that was sarah lawrence so uh yeah and by the way at sarah lawrence he majored in puppetry by the way which you know, again, <laughs> great I love, sarah I love lawrence. that okay so uh yeah i i you know interestingly i saw an interview with him this morning where he said oh this is a movie about the relationship between a brother and sister and i went really that's what yeah. it's about. That's okay. it. That's the <laughs> only thing. Yeah. yeah, I did love. I did love that relationship. My favorite moment in the movie is when they are getting very excited and they slap their hands together like I, five I, times. I, yeah, yeah, I thought that, that was, was fantastic. Uh, what so, a wonderful moment. In the movie. Can Can I ask what Nell thought of the Stephen Yoon like huckster character? I thought there was like a whole other story that dropped out that maybe they wanted another half hour with him because there seemed to be a big missing piece. I, I loved agree. his relationship with his wife. I loved his wife, who, by the way, is also in For All Mankind, mm -hmm. that actress. And uh, and I, I was super interested in their interaction and wanted to know a lot more about that. I do not think that his backstory related to his front story very well. Oh, I think it, oh, I think it totally did. And I think that was the part that was most interesting to me is like his idea that he could have a relationship with a wild creature and could like tame something wild. I do think goes back to what the backstory that we get, but I agree with you that it feels like there's like a 15 minute chunk that's missing <laughs> yeah. from his yeah. story to really sort of reconcile it. 
But I also think Us did this also, where it's like it's one main movie and then there's sort of like a mini movie inside of it right. about the side characters that I'm like, can we can we also get like just a little bit like more? A, just maybe a little bit more. In the director's cut, but but again, a beautiful performance. And yeah. I wanted to say something else about Daniel Kaluuya, which is he's a fascinating actor to me. Yeah, uh, yeah, he, yeah. He brings a kind of a stillness and dignity to the screen that you don't often see. Even the best actors seem to be doing stuff all the time, but he's a thinking person and he, yeah. you know, and he plays these thinking characters and I just find him fascinating. And, uh, you know, so he was so good in uh, the uh, Fred Hampton movie and mm -hmm. uh, he's, he's just really, really good in this too. So I guess a question about movies these days is, is it virus worthy? And so that's my <laughs> oh, question no. oh, to God. you two about nope. I mean, I think it's like, you know, wear two masks and try to hit a matinee and don't sit near anybody early. But I but I'm sure people will see. It. I mean, you know what I mean? Like I'm I'm sure. I think I didn't anticipate the Top Gun success. I really thought that Nope would be the movie of the summer. And I still think people are like very hungry for that. I'm curious what its longevity will be. I wonder if people it felt like us never got to the level of get out. Um, so I'm just mm -hmm. curious if this will continue to have like the the Nell and the me reaction of like, I gotta think about this one. And if that'll <laughs> inspire people to like see it again, or if it could inspire people to just wait until it's available at home. I really do not know. So uh, as long as we're on virus for the movie that got my attention that opened uh, last week is where the crawdads sing based on a very popular novel starring uh, a very up-and-coming young woman. It reminds me of, it's a type of movie. It's, it's like uh, Fried Green Tomatoes, or it's like The Notebook, or it, it um, <laughs> Nell is rolling well, her eyes. About, yeah. Well, you're talking about, about books that, uh, the movies that are based on books that are primarily read by book clubs and by women. I hated the book. I hated the movie. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, you know, what we have here, I'm perfectly willing to suspend disbelief if you're going to tell me that a cleaning lady wants to buy a Dior dress or something like that, or that a superhero uh -huh. wants to get some food at. But you are telling me that this girl who's abandoned when she's 10 years old uh -huh. and lives in a remote shack in the middle yeah. of nowhere, perfect skin, girl. perfect teeth, Perfect hair, perfect clothes. <laughs> Nell, she's gorgeous. She, really she can't up. help it, Nell. She can't help. She just says she's beautiful because <laughs> because she lives in the Garden of Eden. So right, and she has an infinite amount of watercolor. And even though she's never, she can't read or write. She writes a best-selling book and illustrates it, though she's never seen an illustration. Oh well, that boyfriend and, taught her how to read and write. And I'm not going to spoil <laughs> the ending, except to say I thought the ending was morally bankrupt. Uh, and <laughs> now that I know the backstory of the author, I'm severely creeped out by the whole thing. Honestly, that's, that's what's so much more fascinating to me about this. I want that and movie, I, you? you? know, and oh, right. Let, let's and get into that. Let's explain okay, that. Uh, okay, the so, okay. So, uh, all right. So, what's where going the crawdad thing? Sure. The Where the Crawdad thing is written by Delia Owen. And I think it was. <laughs> I honestly think it was before the book came out. I can't quite track the timeline, but there was a New Yorker piece about Delia Owens. And then there was a Slate piece. And it felt like the Slate piece came out after the book was huge. But regardless, Delia Owens and her husband 
went to Africa to like study animals and they were sort of like conservationists and basically they killed a poacher right am i remembering this correctly they killed a poacher killed a guy killed a guy and they sort of were like okay bye we gotta go (laughs) (laughs) so they're still wanted in questioning like for this murder and basically they like yes, left and, a lot and the u.s people. does not have an extradition with zambia so yes. they they don't have to force them to go did they did they kill first of all if anybody killed anybody it's the husband it's yes. her ex-husband it's not, her ex-husband. not her but she is yes. wanted for questioning and yeah some people say he was a poacher some people say he was a trespasser right uh, right and there are so, all these narrative you know, details that seem very fluid based but, on like who is telling the story yes but once you know what happens in the book it yeah. starts to get extremely <laughs> creepy because the book justify murder in a very a true crime. You remember the song? Remember the, the chicks chick song? Earl's gotta die. I kept thinking about Earl's gotta die. <laughs> that Earl had to die. Everybody really run, the prom queen's got a gun. <laughs> I guess I just like, I don't know how I'm supposed to, whatever, spoiler alert, I guess. I mean, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about it now. You know what I mean? Like, am I supposed to think like, good for her? Am I supposed to I think, think like- I think Delia Owens thinks good for her. Delia Owens, I'm literally the law of the jungle, okay? Delia yeah. Owens, you know, the, the book and the movie open with, you know, life and death on the on the marsh. Uh-huh. Sometimes uh-huh. you gotta do what you gotta uh-huh. do. Oh, that mother nature. <laughs> well, and I guess and I guess She's my issue bear. with that, I guess my issue with that is that like he's so <laughs> obviously villainous that there's part of me that's like, oh, of course, well, you would have him die. You know what I mean? Like there there feels like there's no complication there. It's just presented as like a very black well, and that white. That was another thing that bothered me. You get the good boyfriend and the bad boyfriend. Good boyfriend. Right. <laughs> Helpfully provides lists of publishers for her to send the book yes. that she can't read or write, uh-huh. but it's on road. Bad oh. boyfriend, when she gets the publishing contract, says, What's the worst thing the boyfriend can say? He says, Well, don't get big headed about it. Deal killer. And like, why would you go out with bad boyfriend? You knew he was bad. He was lonely. He said she was lonely. It yes, gets lonely. I know, in but that he's marsh. the Late at night, it's dark out there. <laughs> I mean, of all, I would say of all, this was a Reese Witherspoon book club pick. Yes. I yes, would say of all yes. of the Reese Witherspoon book club picks, I still like Wild the best. That's my suggestion. Just go watch Wild. Wild, yeah, Wild is good. It's good. Again, a story about being restored by nature. But yeah, Wild, Wild is good and the, and the movie is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, where Reese Witherspoon, I just want to mention, also had another movie come out this week that she produced, which was a documentary called Fair Play. Uh, about the division of uh, household labor, which I just want to say is a very white privilege movie. I had the breast pump in the diaper bag in the passenger seat of my car. I was racing to get Zach at his toddler transition program. I had a client contract in my lap. The pen would stab me in the vagina. Seth decided to send me a text. I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries. I remember thinking to myself, I'm the default for literally every single household and domestic task for my family. You can read my review at rogerebert.com, but yeah. Can't wait. I, Reese Witherspoon, <laughs> I both really enjoy, and I'm like, this woman is the pinnacle 
of Hollywood white privilege. Like all of her stories are basically. I sincerely regret that I watched the episode on Netflix of the closet cleaner people coming in and cleaning her closets. I sincerely regret that. Oh, I never watched that. I'm glad that I did not do that. Okay. All right. So uh, uh, may I bring up Better Call Saul? Are either of you still following that? No, you both uh, signed off of it. There's too much TV, Arch. Okay, there's a lot of TV. <laughs> there's a I, lot of stuff. There is. I you blame my time. father for this. You know, my father uh-huh. who called television yes. a bad place. Yes. He said, "I know what the solution is. Let's have more choice." <laughs> and he added like 400 more channels, and here we are. <laughs> Bless that man. Well, I wish he'd kept the fairness doctrine. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> He goes. Uh, uh, sure he didn't he get rid of it. Little. I just want to say he didn't get rid of it. He would. He would still have had. It. No, no. Uh, I know he didn't. I wish he would bring it back. Yeah. But what are your thoughts on it, Arch? How are you feeling about on it? On Better Call Saul, mm-hmm. I'm still watching just because mm-hmm. I'm kind of of I'm waiting for it to tie into Breaking Bad uh, mm-hmm. uh, more than it has. Mm-hmm. I'm confused every week. I don't know where we are in the story, and uh, I want to like it. Uh, I kind of like it. I'm okay. watching it, uh, okay. but I'm not exactly loving it. And sometimes I think uh, Better Call Saul and Ozarks are the same show. Yes, I think that a lot of people always thought that Ozark was like the lesser version of Better Call mm-hmm. Saul. But it's interesting that for you, it feels like the reverse, right? Like you enjoyed Ozark a lot more, it seems like, yeah, than you're yeah. enjoying Please this. don't tell Jen Cheney. I'm going to tell Jen. I'm texting Jen right Please now. Don't I'm going to tell, gonna tell her. her. I'm going to tell her. Um, she and keeps so, slapping me down for that. She does. And so what, is is Breaking Bad coming back then? I feel like that's happening as well, right? Uh, no, like this is what happened leading up to Breaking Bad, and it's, right? And it, then it's kind of what happened after. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm just so confused. Oh no! <laughs> can somebody Speaking get Arch? Of... Can somebody get Arch's timeline, please? Get a yes, please. Someone on the internet has posted one. Mm-hmm. As long as we're talking about Breaking Bad, oh, I do really? want to recommend look for that. I do want to recommend uh, Jerry and Marge go large, which when yeah, my, heard, I hear great my father and he said, what would be a good movie for her to watch? I said, this is it. It's a <laughs> great movie to watch with your dad. And it is a delightful, true story, a very Frank Capra-esque movie about this really happened in real life, a, mm-hmm. a quiet retiree who figured out a loophole in the state lottery and won $27 million. I love and it. it's set. What is is this Netflix? This or is Paramount. Apple. Boy, oh, Art, these multiple choice questions are very difficult oh. for me. I, it's so hard. Oh. It's like I have no Paramount have Plus no memory. Yeah. Oh God. So you uh, know, here's the other thing: to watch uh, Better Call Saul or to watch. Uh, we started watching Dark Winds because my wife was a fan of the books. But you have to, you really, you got to sign up for AMC Plus. And mm-hmm. it's like, ah, I've got to, I've got all this other stuff. Why can't it be on that? Okay. And then two Paramount things, Plus. Two things uh, I'll say about that, though. AMC mm-hmm. Plus recently started streaming all of Mad Men with no commercials, which, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to yeah. see Nell's daughter's work, which you should, you right, should like yeah. just rewatch Mad Men. And then I'm sorry, can we back it up? Arch, what do you think about Dark Wind? Um, I liked it. 
a lot. And mm -hmm. as you know, I was a big fan of Reservation Dogs. Mm -hmm. And uh, I like that actor who's in Zon both McClarnan. series. Zon yes, McClarnan. I think yeah. he's great. Yeah. I, uh, I thought that it wrapped up a little too neat, and then they threw a curve at you at the end. So it's I wasn't abrupt. as- yeah, a little abrupt. Yeah, a little abrupt. Uh, but, uh, but I love the ideas and, mm -hmm. uh, and I liked it. Uh, how about, uh, were you following that? Yeah, I really like Zon McLarnon. So I watched it and there's a second season coming, which I'm very excited mm -hmm. for. And I have some vague memory of watching Robert Redford's like other adaptations because they did like a Skinwalker series, I think in the early aughts, that was like West Studi and Adam Beach. So they were also the Lee Porn and Chi novels that like Dark Winds is based on. Yeah. Um, so I think if you have, again, the PBS streaming service, <laughs> I think you can watch them. Well, I but think yeah, I've I got really that. liked it. Yeah, I really like Zon McClarnon. Well, was there a really Dark great. Wind movie way back in the 90s? I'm not I, sure. I don't know. Something keeps popping up. Dark Wind. When you? Maybe. <laughs> Somewhere. <laughs> Maybe it, uh, but I liked it a lot. Good. I would like it more without commercials. I thought the commercials yeah. really hurt it. And in fact, yeah. uh, my real uh, beef with uh, AMC is they run way too many commercials. You can't, you can't keep uh, engaged because yeah. of so many commercials. I highly uh, recommend DVR Fast Forward. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm there. Yeah. I'm yeah. there. Any thoughts on the Emmy nominations since we've gotten into uh, these things? I, Reservation Dogs was um, uh, completely ignored. I'm so sick about that. I'm very disappointed by that. Completely ignored. I wrote something about how disappointing I found the limited series nominations mm. because it basically was just like five shows that got nominated for everything. It was basically just The White Lotus, Dope Sick, Inventing yeah. Anna, The Dropout, and there was one other. And I just thought like, there were so many amazing limited series this year. Uh, there was like Under the Banner of Heaven. There was Angeline. There was a lot of very interesting. Daisy sort of, Edgar Jones from Crawdads was great. In she was Under amazing in Under the Banner of Heaven. Yeah. And so I was just very frustrated. I mean, as an example, like in the supporting actor and actress nominations, I think in supporting actress, only people from White Lotus and Dopestick were nominated. So it's like you have six slots, but only two shows dominated so yeah just, pam I, and I was, tommy was the other one yes which pam was and tommy, just awful i think I, pam and tommy was just yeah so i i was frustrated i again was like can the emmy voters please watch more television <laughs> and they're watching suffer alongside us but now <laughs> what did what did you think i i think you got it exactly right it's what you said before there is just so much out there now that people just get exhausted yeah just what the Emmy ballot is. I've mentioned this before that when I was quite young, my father tossed his Emmy ballot to me and I voted for Marlo Thomas in That Girl for Everything. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but I still remember Good. it was like filling out your tax forms. It just went on forever uh, and ever and ever and ever. Forever. Yeah. And so I feel for the Emmy voters, but I agree with you. They they vote safe is what they do. They yeah. they don't they don't uh, Can I just say that I'm sick and tired of succession? I'm just sick of it, and I've stopped. I've stopped watching. I really I've, enjoy it, but I agree with you. It's just it's become like Game of Thrones in that yeah, it's just, just dominating, just, dominating uh, nominations. And there were so many shows. I mean, Reservation Dogs got overlooked. Overlooked. Uh, I really love Pachinko. 
again on Apple TV Plus, and that was completely, it only got nominated for its title credit. I just want to say a word for After Party. I really loved After Party. Yes, the After Party was really charming. I mean, I again, it's like Sam Richardson is doing great comedic work. He is. And I love that each episode was a different genre. And I thought it was completely delightful. Yes. So what I, so I wrote a piece about this and I, my gonzo suggestion, which whatever I'm going to stand by is that (laughs) each, each show should only have one nomination per category. So you don't have ensemble shows that are dominating like I think supporting nomination. Really... I think that's a great suggestion. It'll never happen, but please contact me for more details. Emmys, I am and ready to provide And can we talk about them. the presidential primary system too while we're yes. at it? <laughs> yes, that's we, fine. We all have some suggestions. <laughs> and speaking of suggestions, I'd like to suggest that we take a minute to bring Lou Katz in to remind us that Hound Radio enables this podcast. And uh, I I am so grateful to Hound Radio and grateful for this opportunity to speak with uh, Nell Minow and Roxy, Rocky uh, Haddadi. Arch, I will tell you that one of the new features, at least for the dog days of summer on Hound Radio, are playing summer songs. What is one of your favorite classic summer songs? Dig one up. Oh, well, sure. I'm putting you on the Um, spot a little bit, but what do you think? Well, certainly a summer place, but right. also a summer song. Yeah, excellent. Chad and Jeremy. Hot time, summer in the city. Back of my neck, I'm ready. That's what Hound Radio is doing for the summer. We're featuring summer songs. Here's more about it right now. Summertime, summertime. Hound Radio and you in the middle of the dog days of summer. And we're wagging our sweaty tail with another flashback from summer's past. It's summertime. Rocky, do you have a summer song? <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, this, I mean, I guess Beach Boys come to mind. I feel like that's like a good state selection. Uh, I also probably think like some of the like Southern California, like 90s alternative bands like Sublime or... Deftones, but yeah, that's a good question. I've been trying not to go outside because it's like a million degrees. So I'm not I'm not doing my normal like driving around listening to music, well, unfortunately. As Nell knows, I'm a native of San Antonio, Texas, where my mm-hmm. sister lives and where mm-hmm. Nell's son-in-law is from, I think. That's right. That's right. And uh his folks are probably telling you it's 107 down there. That is correct. Oh gosh. Oh, too hot. <laughs> But my sister keeps texting me, we're having a heat wave, a tropical heat wave. (laughs) It isn't surprising the temperature is right. The best version of that song ever, Marilyn Monroe (laughs) in a movie called There's No Business Like Show Business. (laughs) Having a heat wave, a tropical heat wave. Temperatures rising, it isn't surprising. You certainly can. And they and they censored a line in it. The uh-huh. line was, she started a heat wave by uh-huh. making her seat wave, and that was just too much for them. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. In the past two weeks, uh, the actor James Kahn died, and it kind of hit me by surprise. And yeah. uh I'm interested in the uh, response to to his career, certainly his wonderful work as Sonny, but I was interested that so many people mentioned 
elf when they yeah. remembered things yes. they loved him for. Do you two have uh, memories? Mel, do you want to go first? Well, you know, of course, a lot always depends on how old you are when you see various movies. And that's why Elf is, is so resonant with a lot of people. For me, I was in college when Cinderella Liberty came out. And that was something that I, that was one of the first movies that I ever reviewed. So I have a tender feeling toward it. And I got to interview him also, which was very exciting. And, uh, but I, I just think uh, we have to mention Misery and Thief. Right. Uh, yeah. Thief, especially. I can see my money is still in your pocket, which is from the yield of my labor. You are making big profits from my work, my risk, my sweat. But that is okay, because I elected it to make that deal. But now the deal is over. Although I was 60 when I saw Elf. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so. Elf is great because it's like he is just refusing to engage for so uh, much of the uh, movie uh, that it really it uses his wait, what's happening to great yeah. to right. great effect. <laughs> and then Thief, I don't know, like Thief is just like a movie for the ages and discussion mm. of like what is your labor worth? And it's such a good, I don't want to call it a first draft for Heat, but there are so many similarities right. between what Michael Mann does in those movies that it's sort of like watching, like if you were doing like a Coen Brothers retrospective, it's sort of like watching Blood Simple and Fargo back to back, where mm. there are like similar thematic elements there that he, you know, that the brothers like fleshed out in the later I films. especially remember the music from Thief. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, Thief Ooh. is great. Thanks. I'm going to look. I'm going to look to see who did the music uh it's something orange maybe i'd like to have an orange the clock <laughs> is ticking while we look that up uh well what do we recommend this weekend no my number one recommendation for the weekend is do not watch the dakota johnson version of persuasion on netflix because it's trash <laughs> but do watch the movie version with sharon hines because that is mm. lovely and of course read the book <laughs> Uh, did you I, see cha-cha real smooth with Dakota i did I, I i liked i liked her in that i liked her in that i liked nobody's named domino that's just stupid though but yeah. i i uh you know obviously any movie about a bar mitzvah you know <laughs> tumbler is something i'm gonna love but uh yeah i i like that movie very much we'll look forward to seeing anything else that uh that he does real quick uh, rocky what are you uh pushing this weekend uh, you know what? Just watch Thief. The music is by Tangerine Dream, mm. which is this German Tangerine electronic Dream. band. Thank yeah, you. just yeah. watch Thief. It's great. That's it. Yeah, great. Just watch it. And I'll put in a plug for Jerry and Marge Goulart. You can uh, read Nell Menno at RogerEbert.com. You can read Rocky at Vulture.com. And you can listen to this podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Lou Katz. I'm Arch Campbell and have a great couple of weeks. This is the Cats Podcasting System, where it's not just a podcast, but a podcast.